Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Brain 30 Support Call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time. It's 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Adjust it for your time zone. If you ever miss any of these calls, you can pick them up on SoundCloud or wherever you might get your podcast through by... um, putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and solutions, the digit for anti-aging, or Frank Lomas and CR90. These calls are archived back more than 11 years. Um, I can't thank Brian Curry and Frank Lomas enough for not only providing us the uh, way to get these saved and recorded, but also for the line and all of our technical issues. With that being said, if you are listening to this Santa podcast and you want to join us live, if you dial into one seven one two seven seven five eight nine seven two and one eight preps for that code you put in nine one zero zero two two and you can join us live and we would be thrilled to have you with us. So that TR90 program, when you're first starting out, is that one really good, clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Um, The protein actually helps build the muscle, which actually in turn helps um, burn off some of the subcutaneous fat, which is why you want to build that muscle which is why you want to do 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week because that will also help burn off that um, fat and keep you moving in, in a forward direction. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is optimal. If you're not able to do that, do take them with your meals. They'll still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would have been if you could take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand. I know because that I was in that category where I couldn't always figure out when I was going to be 15 to 20 minutes for a meal to take at least the midday supplements, and so I took it with my meal, and it still works. It's just it's not quite as effective as if it would be if you're, it was already onboarding your system. Seven plus seven to fruits and vegetables. That will give you macronutrients, micronutrients, and it will give you fiber. Um, guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber for good digestive health. And ladies, we need 32 grams of fiber for the same reason. It will actually help keep us good and healthy. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night is optimum. And that really, your body does a whole bunch of system resets while you're sleeping and going through various stages of sleep. It helps you be really clear-headed and make good decisions for the next day, and that's one of those things that in this lifestyle, you really need to be able to be thinking clearly and be able to make those good decisions. Drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated, and the current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds a day, so if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. That water clears toxins out of your system, it helps revive your skin, it does a multitude of things, and so it's really important to get that fluid intake, but if you're exercising heavily, or if you're in a humid area, you'll need to increase that 
to offset what you're losing in body moisture. And if you're really exercising heavily, you can lose up to a quart in one hour. So do keep that in mind. Okay, I think we've taken care of all of the important bits and pieces of information for the day. Today I am actually sharing some uh, information that will help uh, complement and explain why some of the PR90 system works the way it does. This information is coming out of a book called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G, MD and MSL, and uh, I started into talking about a little bit about metabolic syndrome and why it is important that we are aware of what it is and how to go about um, thinking about what we need to do to not do some of the things that will put us into that metabolic syndrome. So in order to understand obesity and the energy balance in general, we must acquaint ourselves with the first law of thermodynamics, which states the total in energy inside a closed system remains constant. For you math and science geeks, where U is the mass internal energy of the system, which equals Q, which is the heat applied to the system, and the W is the work done by the system. So you've got U equals Q subtracting W. Work and heat are due to processes that either add or subtract energy. When work equals heat, the internal energy system stays constant. The first law is a law. It is elegant and airtight. If you don't like it, file a grievance with Sir Isaac Newton. I subscribe, and this is Dr. Lessig saying this, I subscribe to the first law. The basis for our current understanding of the causes and consequences of the obesity pandemic lies not with the first law itself, but rather in how you interpret it as with all laws, there is plenty of room for alternative interpretation. The prevailing wisdom on the first law can be summed up by one widely held dogma: A calorie is a calorie. That is to maintain energy balance and body weight, the U in the equation. The calorie eaten, it's the Q, must be offset by one calorie burned by the W, and the calorie eaten comes from anywhere, from meat to vegetables to cheesecake. The calorie burned can go anywhere from sleeping to watching TV to vigorous exercise. And from this dogma comes the standard widely held interpretation of the first law. If you eat it, you, can, you had better burn it or you will store it. In this interpretation, the behaviors of increased energy intake and decreased energy expenditure are primarily and presumably learned. Therefore, the weight gained is a, is a secondary result. Thus, obesity is routinely thought to be the natural consequence of these 
aberrant behaviors. As you will see hereafter, virtually all of the stakeholders in the obesity pandemic have signed up on the side of personal responsibility. So, the head of the table, the gluttons and the sloths. The seating chart at the table of blame. Well, personal responsibility occupies the biggest seat at the table of blame. The common assumption in obesity hinges on its being a personal choice. We control what we eat and how much we exercise. If you are obese, you must be because you chose either to eat more, exercise less, or both. Over the past 25 years, various government agencies have accumulated ample evidence of the increased calorie intake during the time frame, both in children and in adults. During this time, the CDC has documented that Americans have increased their caloric consumption by an extra 187 calories per day for men and 335 calories per day for women. The behaviors associated with the rise in obesity include increased consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages and decreased consumption of whole fruits, vegetables, and other sources of dietary fiber. On a societal level, obesity is also associated with less breastfeeding, skipped breakfasts, fewer family meals, and more fast food dining. Alternatively, a wealth of evidence supports a role for decreased physical activity and increased, quote, unquote, screen time, which means TV, computers, video games, and texting is causing obesity. It is from this perception of choice that we derive our current societal mantras around obesity, gluttony, and sloth. Two of the original seven deadly sins. I should note here that people exhibiting the other five deadly sins, greed, pride, lust, envy, and wrath, have gotten a pass in the press and in society as a whole. They are frequently extolled in the media just watch the reality shows like The Apprentice, where envy, greed, pride, and wrath, you're fired, millionaire matchmaker, less greed and pride, or Jersey Shore, all the known sins and sins. We have found absolution for nearly every vice and sin that we can commit except for these two. They continue to defy our society's ability to forgive this, despite the fact that 55% of Americans are either overweight or obese. Thin people are now in the minority, yet in our cult, as our culture continues to punish the majority, the average woman in the United States wears a size 14, yet many stores do not carry anything above a size 10. Although many women's clothing stores have now, now have quote-unquote sanity sizes, what was a 10 in 1950 is now labeled a size 6. A large percentage of the population still can't find anything on the rack. Approximately 10 years ago in San Francisco, a billboard advertising a local 24-hour fitness club depicted an extraterrestrial 
with the tagline, when they come, they'll eat the fat ones first. Our society continues to glorify thinness, even though it appears to be less achievable every year. Those of us who are overweight or obese are immediately assumed to be gluttons and or sloths. The obese can are passed over for employment because it's assumed that they can be they'll be as lazy on the job as they are in caring for their bodies. They are among the last groups about which you can still make pejorative comments in public. From this condemnation it's a quick jump to the determination that obese people became so due to behavioral defect. This formulation serves many purposes and it certainly justifies society's desire to place blame. Even the obese have bought into this species of personal responsibility. They would prefer to be portrayed as perpetrator rather than victim. If you're a perpetrator, you maintain and control and make your own choices, which is more helpful than the alternative. If instead you're a victim, you have no power, obesity is your fate, and there is no hope. You're doomed, which is far more depressing. Finally, personal responsibility serves as the cornerstone of both the government's and the insurance company's restriction on obesity care delivery. Oh, and the next um, part actually talks about the health insurance industry, which I'll probably get into on Monday. If you are looking to build a new skin business at the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build that new skin business. This is Susan Mann for November 10th, 2022, signing out. I want to wish you a wonderful day. I hope that um, you get some exercise and stay well hydrated and get plenty of rest. And I'm going to take us off mute for any questions or comments you may have. So there we have it, my friends. Some of the, some of the things that I've actually said, those of us that are starting out on our tour and lifestyle are for failure and hopefully will push us towards um, positive moves. Getting to that emotion. And if there's no other thoughts, questions, or comments, I'm going to let everybody go. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for Miss Victoria. She will be doing one of our lovely meditations tomorrow, and on Monday, I'll pick up where I've left off.